Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. My text this morning is going to come from Mark, the 11th chapter. And the Bible tells us in this portion of Scripture about the triumphal entry of Jesus. And I have to think about what it must have been like if we would have been there for that day when Jesus rode into town on a colt and how it must have been like for the people that were there and how it must have been like for the the ones who were walking with Jesus, the disciples that were there. And it must have been an incredible, incredible time. It must have been an exciting time. And in Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this, When they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of them of his disciples out and said to them, Go into the village opposite you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. They went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. And they untied it. Some of those who had stood there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they answered just as Jesus had commanded. And they said, Let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments on it. And he sat upon it. Many spread their garments on the street and others cut down branches off the trees and scattered them on the street. Those who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that is coming in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. When he had looked around at everything as the hour now was late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Father God, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you for your word that is true. Your word that is yes and amen. God, I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And today, God, as we celebrate the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, as we celebrate that triumphal entry, God, we remember that this week is a week where we remember all of the things that Jesus did for us. God, as he entered into Jerusalem, prepared God to die on the cross just a few days later. God, and as he died on the cross and then rose again, God, we celebrate the sacrifice the atoning sacrifice that was made for us. We celebrate, God, the Passover sacrifice that was made for us. And God, we receive today everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. We receive healing. We receive forgiveness. We receive salvation. We receive power in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for this day. And God, we don't take it lightly. We remember, God, Everything that Jesus went through. God, we love you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
I'm going to crank this mic down. I hear it ringing. Praise the Lord. So, we remember everything that Jesus did. We remember His sacrifice. But before the sacrifice, on, on the day of the triumphal entry, they all went into Jerusalem on this cult and, and people were lining the streets and shouting Hosanna and they were waving their palm branches and they were throwing down their garments. And tradition has it that the two disciples that were sent to fetch the cult were Peter and John. And Peter and John had been in Jesus' inner circle. They had been there from the very beginning. And they were, they were important to the work of God. They were important to what God was doing in that day and time through Jesus' ministry. And Jesus had special use for them. And so Peter and John went and got this colt. And then they threw their garments over top of it. And Jesus sat on this colt. And as they walked into Jerusalem, people lined the streets. And they were waving palm branches and shouting. And they were, they were throwing their garments down on the streets in front of them. And I can imagine this scene, the, the pomp and the circumstance that must have been there. And, and how excited everyone must have been. And the disciples had been waiting for this day. Because the disciples had been waiting for the time when Jesus would go into Jerusalem. And they had been waiting for the time when Jesus would topple the Roman government. See, that's what everybody thought the Messiah was coming to do. They thought the Messiah was coming to topple the government. They thought that Jesus was going to take them out from under Roman oppression. And they thought that Jesus was going to set up His kingdom and He was going to rule. And they loved that idea because they had been, they had been under this tyrannical government for so long and the Romans uh, were treating the people badly and they were, they were abusing the people. And so... The, the, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, they thought that, that Jesus was going to help them with their, their natural governmental problems. And so Peter and John and Thomas and Thaddeus and, and Bartholomew, they were all coming into Jerusalem with Jesus. And they must have felt like celebrities, people cheering and, and waving palm branches. And this was one of the highest points of their life. It was one of the most important times since Jesus started ministry and called them all into ministry. And then you flip over to Mark chapter 14. And you see a different situation taking place, especially with Peter. Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. Then he went out to the porch and a rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. A little while later, those who stood by said again to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean and your speech confirms it. Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. 
and the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought on this, he wept. You know, it's real easy to be supportive of someone when things are going well. It's real easy to be supportive of someone when they're on the way up. And what you'll find in life is that a lot of the time you'll have a bunch of people cheering you on and clapping for you and waving palm branches, so to speak, in life when you're doing well and when things are going well. But when Jesus got arrested and Jesus was on trial, he soon found out that everybody wasn't going to be there for him. He even predicted it at the Last Supper. And when things started to go south, everybody started to back away. And that's what happens a lot of the time in life is that people will help you and they'll cheer you on and they're excited for you when things are going well and you're, you're on your way up. But when you're down and out and when you feel like there's nothing that, can, they, that anybody can do to help you and when you feel like things are going south, then, then you'll find out who your real friends are and you'll find out that there aren't a lot of the people there who said that they were for you. And that's what happened here. Peter was there when Jesus was on top. But when Jesus got arrested and Jesus was on trial and Jesus was about to be killed, Peter denied he even knew him. He said, I don't know the man. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't know him. I'm not one of his disciples. He renounced everything that he had ever held claim to. And Peter just a few short hours earlier, had said at the Last Supper, Jesus, I will never deny you. I'm with you to the end. I'm holding on to the end. I'm sticking by you forever. And then Peter denies Jesus before the morning hits. Peter went from the highest point in his life to the lowest point in his life in just a few short days. In less than a week, Everything changed. And Peter was one of those people who, who thought that everything was going to go well and this was the great revolution that he had hoped for. This was the great, this was the great setup for Jesus to, to come in and enforce His kingdom. And everything was going to go well from this point on. But when things turned around and Jesus got arrested and Jesus was on trial and they were going to kill Him, then Peter said, I don't have anything to do with Him. I don't know Him. And Mark said that Peter wept. If you flip over to Matthew or Luke, they said Peter wept bitterly after he denied Jesus. What happened here was Peter backslid. Peter went from a point of walking with the Lord and, and staying with the Lord and promising his allegiance to the Lord to now Peter was acting like he didn't even know Him and he didn't have any part of Him. Peter who had seen the miracles. Peter who had been there during the triumphal entry. Peter who had seen Jesus open blind eyes. Peter who had, who had seen Jesus 
caused people to walk. Peter who was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. That Peter. Peter who walked on the water himself when Jesus called him out of the boat. That Peter. That Peter was the one that said, I don't know him. I don't know him. And Peter must have looked back over everything that he had been through with Jesus and all the miracles and all the signs and the wonders and all the, the amazing things that Jesus did, all the ministry that took place. And he must have looked back at those things after he denied Jesus and thought, how could I ever, how could I ever deny him? I know what I saw. I know I was there. How could I deny him? And Peter was all of a sudden hit with such a remorse and such a sadness and such a guilt that he had denied the one who Peter said, I know who you are. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one. And then Peter denies him. And Peter went and wept bitterly because he denied the one that he loved. He denied the one that he followed. And then we don't hear from Peter again for a very long time. A stretch of a few days, we don't hear from Peter because after Peter denies Jesus, Peter disappears from the scene. We don't see Peter again until after the resurrection. We don't hear from Peter in Scripture. I checked all four Gospels. We don't hear from Peter until after the resurrection. Oh, the Gospels talk about the ones who were there at the crucifixion. It talks about Mary and it talks about some of the other women from Galilee who were there. It talks about John being there watching the crucifixion. But we don't see Peter because Peter was ashamed and Peter was so torn up by what he had done. And Peter, in his mind, must have thought, God's done with me. God's done with me. Have you ever gotten to that point where your sin weighs on you so heavy or where you've done something that you feel is so terrible and you feel like God must be done with me? What could a loving, merciful, holy God ever want to do with me? What could God ever have for me to do? What could God ever use me for? God must be done with me. I don't mean you slipped up and you cussed. and I don't mean you got into a fight and you said something you shouldn't have. I don't mean... You had a hateful thought. I mean, you thought God was D-O-N-E done with you. You thought it was over for you, that you had gone past the point of no return. You thought that God was through with you and that He had no place for you in His kingdom. You thought that God had no use for you. You thought that you weren't even saved. Have you ever had those kind of thoughts? Have you ever had those kind of feelings? Has the enemy ever put those kind of things in your mind? Has the enemy ever put those kind of things, whispered them in your ear he has for me he has for me 
And I can't help but relate to Peter. I can't help but relate to Peter. Because the enemy's whispered the same things in my ear at times. The enemy has whispered how God has done with me. And I know if he does it to me, he'll do it to you. He'll tell you you're not even saved. He'll tell you you're not even set free. He'll tell you you're not even on your way to heaven. There was a time last year where Satan showed up to me. It was pretty interesting that I was asked to preach today because this is right around the time of the year that it hit last year. Satan began to whisper those things. And it wasn't even anything to do with coronavirus. It wasn't even anything to do with the pandemic or the lockdown. Satan just began to plant seeds and it began to speak things into my mind. He began to say things about how God couldn't use me anymore and how God must be done with me and how I was worthless and how God had no use for me in the kingdom. My ministry was over. He told me all sorts of things. He said, I'm going to expose everything in your past. And I'm going to tell everyone what you did in your past. I'm going to tell everyone what a miserable worm and what a wretch you are. I'm going to show everybody how bad you were. I'm going to show everything you've ever done. And then nobody will want anything to do with you. All the people who are closest to you are going to turn from you. And you're going to be alone. You're going to be destitute. And I'm telling you, he told me all sorts of things. And it wasn't just for a day or a week. It lasted six months months last year and the devil began to tell me all sorts of things about how my ministry was over and how God was done with me and he'd say you're not even going to heaven God doesn't want anything to do with you you have gone so low that God doesn't even want you anymore there were times when I'd wake up in the dead of the night in a cold sweat. And I'd go to the bathroom just sick. Sick to my stomach. Because of the heaviness and the weight that the enemy had put on me. And there were very few people that I even told about. And I didn't ever tell anybody the whole extent of it. I didn't ever tell anybody exactly how it all happened. I had people praying for me. And some people knew. And some people had an idea of some things that were taking place. But the heaviness that the enemy attacked my mind with was beyond comprehension. To the point where I was physically sick every single day. So I can relate to Peter. I know how Peter felt when he began to think that God was done with him. I've been there. And the devil began to say things about how God didn't even want to hear from me. And I have to think that Peter must have felt that way. God doesn't want to hear from me. God doesn't want to see me. Jesus knows that I've denied Him. How could I possibly go and be a support to Him at the cross? How could I possibly go and stand at the foot of the cross as He's dying? How could I possibly go and just be there for moral support for His family? How could I possibly be there for Mary? How could I possibly stand there next to John just as Peter was the one who went with John to help get the cult. Peter couldn't stand beside John at the cross because Peter was too ashamed. 
Why would I show up at the cross? He knows what I've done. He knows what I've said. Have you ever had those thoughts? God knows what I've done. God knows I've been too bad. But you see, that's the message of this whole week. Yeah, God does know what you've done. God does know how bad you've been. God knew how bad you were going to be before you were even born. And that's why He sent Jesus to die on a cross this week. That's why He sent Jesus to die for you because God knew how bad you were going to mess up and how miserable you were going to be. He knew how much of a wretch you were going to be. He knew the sins that you would commit. He knew all of it. And that's why He sent Jesus. You see, God had prepared a way for your salvation and prepared a way for your forgiveness and prepared a way for your shame and your guilt to be gone before you were ever born because He knew you were a mess before you ever got here. He knew I was a mess before I was ever born. He knew you were a mess before you were ever born and that you needed a Savior. And that's why He sent Jesus when He did. Because without Him, we would have no hope. But with Him, we have every hope in the world and beyond. We have hope in this life and the next life because we know that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross that day was enough to cover our sins and was enough to cover our iniquities and was enough to cover our transgressions. So Jesus dies and He's buried. And there were days that the disciples spent in hiding. There were days that the disciples were crying. There were days that the disciples didn't know what was going on. They were weeping. They were mourning. And they didn't know how it was all going to pan out. They thought that the, the Jews were going to get mad and come after them as well. They thought that people were going to try to kill them as well. And Peter probably wanted to hide even from the other disciples. But a little bit later on, we find out he was with the disciples. And we see some different things transpire and what I love here is, is that in Peter's sorrow and in Peter's shame, in Peter's sickening sadness, God does something for Peter that's pretty incredible. Mark chapter 16 Jesus has been dead and buried. And the Bible says when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week. They came to the tomb at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, who will roll the stone away from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white robe, and they were frightened. And they, he said to them, Do not be afraid. 
You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. Go and tell his disciples. And he stopped and said, and Peter. You see, the angel said, and Peter, not to single Peter out as a traitor, but he said, and Peter, to tell Peter that he was still in the group, that God still wanted him, that God still had use for him, that there was nothing too bad that he had done, that he was still in, and Jesus still had his eye on Peter. Jesus didn't cut Peter off, even though Peter cut Jesus off. Go tell the disciples and Peter, I've got a meeting arranged in Galilee. I'm waiting on them there. You go and tell them to meet me in Galilee. Tell Peter, I want to see him again. Tell Peter, I want him there. You tell the one who denied me that I love him. You tell Peter, I care enough about him to let him know that I have a meeting arranged for me and him there. And that's the whole message of the gospel. When we were so separated from God. And when we couldn't get to him. He came to us. When we couldn't get to God and when we couldn't make up for what we had done. God showed up and He offered His forgiveness to us. He said, you don't even have to make the first step. I'm going to make the step. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to open the way for you to be saved. I'm going to open the way for you to be forgiven. I thank God for that and Peter there. When Jesus died, He didn't just take your sin away. He didn't just take away the things you had done. He took away the penalty of your sin. He took away the payment that you would have had to make. He took away the need for you to feel guilt and shame. He took away all those things for you. Jesus didn't just die to cleanse you of sin. He died to rid you of the consequences of sin as well. He died so that you wouldn't have to go through life feeling ashamed and guilty and feeling like God didn't want you. He gave you life. I love this passage of Scripture. And then if you flip over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Starting at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, you see, Jesus showed up to the disciples. They were out fishing and they saw Jesus over on the shoreline. And the Bible says that Peter jumped in the water and swam over to the shoreline. Peter couldn't wait because Peter had a message from God that said, I still want you. I still love you. Peter couldn't wait. He jumped in the water and swam to the shoreline. And Jesus had made them breakfast. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you understand what Jesus did there? Jesus asked Peter one time for every time that Peter denied Jesus. He said, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And three times Jesus said, do you love me? And Jesus restored Peter right there on the shore. Jesus said, welcome back. Welcome back. And the amazing thing is that we only find a charcoal fire two times in the Bible. We find one where Peter denied Jesus. Jesus, and we find another charcoal fire here on the shore of the water where Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? We find those two charcoal fires. And as Peter sat there by the fire and Jesus said, do you love me? I have to imagine that Peter smelled the smell of the same fire where he denied Jesus. He smelled the same smell as he smelled that night where he said, I don't even know him. And he must have known that this is what Jesus was doing. He was restoring Peter. Can I tell you today? It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. It doesn't matter if you think you've gone too far and the devil has told you you've gone too far. It doesn't matter if it was 10, 20, 30 years ago of the things that the devil tries to bring up in your past because that's what he does. You've got to know today that the blood of Jesus is sufficient. And because of that blood that he shed on Calvary, your past is erased. Your past is gone. You don't owe anything because of your past. You're forgiven. You're free. If you go to Jesus and you say, I love you, Forgive me. I love you. Forgive me. Jesus let Peter know that there was nothing he had done that was too bad for Jesus to redeem. And I believe that Jesus is speaking to some people today and letting you know that there's nothing that you've done that is too bad for him to redeem. There's nothing you've done that's too bad for him to redeem. This is the message of the resurrection. This is the message of Easter. This is the message of this time of the year. There's nothing too bad. You haven't gone too far. There's nothing that has pushed you over the edge 
to to cause God to stop loving you. God cannot not love you. He loves you too much. He is love. And today, if you have things from your past that you're ashamed of, if you have things that that you wish you could let go of, if you have things that, that you are unable to overcome the guilt, the shame, I'm here to tell you today that the redeeming blood of Jesus on the cross is the most powerful force and the most powerful thing that you could ever come into contact with. And there are Christians who walk around for years with shame even after they're saved. There are people who walk around with guilt even after they're saved. And there are people who never fully overcome that guilt. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to walk around under that condemnation. And I'm going to ask everyone in this parking lot right now to bow their heads and close their eyes. Yes, this is a message to the sinner, the one who's never accepted Jesus. Absolutely, this is a message to the one who's been away from the Lord. This is a message to the one who isn't saved. But this is also a message to the ones who are saved, who have been walking around with condemnation from Satan, with guilt from your past, with shame from things that you've done. This is a message... For the ones who have felt like, yeah, I love the Lord, but I feel like I'm too far away from Him. I've done too much. I've gone too far. My past is too heavy. My past is too bad. I'm here to tell you today, His mercy and His grace are sufficient for you. And that blood that He shed on Calvary is powerful enough To not only remove the stains of sin on your life, but to remove the guilt and the shame and the penalty of your sin. You don't have to pay for your sin any longer. Jesus paid the price. Stop letting the devil make you bear the weight of your sin. Stop making letting the devil make you bear the weight of your past and walk in freedom today. I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer right now. And I'm going to ask everyone to pray along with me. And then I'm going to pray a prayer over the ones who have been walking around in guilt and condemnation. If you want to pray the sinner's prayer, pray this. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask for your cleansing and your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died on the cross and that he's your son. I believe that He rose again and that His blood has the power to wash away sin. So cleanse me today. Make me clean. Fill me with Your Holy Ghost. Help me to live for You. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Now, Father God, I pray for the ones who have been walking around in guilt, the ones who have been walking around in shame and condemnation. Lord, I thank you for cleansing today. And I thank you, God, as we go through this week, we go through it with a renewed mindset that God loved us so much that that's why Jesus came. That God saw that we were going to be terrible, horrible people. And that's why Jesus came. Because God already knew that we were going to need a Savior before Jesus ever got here. So I bind the guilt. I bind the shame. I bind the spirit of heaviness and condemnation that people have been walking around under. And I speak healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name, I speak life. I speak renewed callings. I speak renewed faith. I speak renewed hope. In Jesus' name, there's nothing too dirty, God, that you can't make worthy. So God, I thank you for a cleansing today for your people and for a washing in the water of the Word. God, we hand our past to you. We hand our bondages to You. We hand the things that have had us tied up to You. And we ask for cleansing today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's nothing too dirty that He can't make worthy. When you feel the weight of your past, you remember Peter. You remember Peter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Happy Palm Sunday. Thank you for being here today. We love you so very much. God bless you. Have an awesome day in the Lord. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschafer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.